Welcome back to the Tapes Archive podcast, where we release interviews that have never been heard before. In this episode, we have the Grateful Dead and the Tubes keyboardist, Vince Welnick. At the time of this interview in 1992, Welnick was 41 years old and was promoting the Grateful Dead's two sold-out shows at Deer Creek Music Center in Indiana. In the interview, Welnick talks about what it was like auditioning for the Grateful Dead, his former band, the Tubes, and how being in the Grateful Dead felt like being a part of a big old wonderful family. I do a variety of things. Like what? Merchandising for the most part. What do you merchandise? I run a clearing house uh, for Grateful Dead concert tapes. I also go to the concerts where I sell frisbees and beach balls, dog bandanas. Mr. Hardy, you made a practice, have you not, of following the Grateful Dead from city to city in order to attend their concerts? Yes, I have made it a practice. You traveled to Egypt for a Grateful Dead concert. I'm not going to sit here like some kind of a criminal. I didn't do anything wrong. I like the Grateful Dead. Maybe there's more to being a deadhead than just the music. Maybe it's a little heavier than that. As always, we have music critic Mark Allen at the helm conducting the interview. If you'd like to support the show, please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. There, we post other content and information not available on the podcast. If you'd like to read the transcripts for any of our episodes, please head over to our website at thetapesarchive.com. We'll jump into the interview after a quick word from our sponsors. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. We're the Grateful Dead. Hi. <laughs> Hello. 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 We're the Grateful Dead. Right. And if you want to know about all the cool stuff that we've been up to, all the projects and products that you might be interested in knowing about and maybe buying, you'll probably be interested in this toll-free number. And if you call it right now, we will get back to you as soon as possible. You bet. And the next 30 seconds of dead air is only the beginning. Only the beginning? <laughs> only the beginning. One last thing before we get to the interview, the Tapes Archive podcast is a proud member of Osiris Media, a global community connecting passionate fans with podcasts and experiences about artists and topics you love. Thanks for tuning in, and now it's time to open the vault. Hello? Hi, this is Vince. Yeah. Hi, it's Mark Allen. All right, let me kill the music here. Bob Marley up way too loud. Okay. Let me shut this window, too. All right, I'll hang on. Okay. Boy, do you think the Four Seasons get many people who uh, play Bob Marley up real loud? Uh, maybe, at least on this floor, I don't know. <laughs> they asked for it, they put the CD player in it. Oh, they, oh that's nice. Yeah. It's, it's, are you a big Marley fan? Uh, yeah, I like him a lot. In fact, I'm trying to uh, introduce Waiting in Vain with, to the band. Uh-huh. Any takers so far? Yeah, this, uh, they said, you learned it first. <laughs> and uh, we'll whip it out. It seems pretty easy enough, you know, it's... Normally, we'd have to have a rehearsal or something, but we could maybe work it up at soundcheck because it's not a difficult song. Yeah, I would think uh, Mickey would be into that pretty much. Yeah, well, it's, it feels like a good summery kind of thing to play outdoors. And if you could fit, it would fit with a couple of songs, you know. It's got lots of room for vocals, but it's got a lot of vocal potential for everybody to join in. I kind of like the way everybody's singing lately. Yeah, we have our new ear in the ear monitors, and uh, I think it's improved everybody's vocals a lot. Because everybody's able to hear each other? Is that the... Yeah, when you sing, especially when you're singing, it's just like singing in your own ear. And, and if you have a, your vocal turned up you know, enough in your own monitor, it's, you can hear the slightest little whisper. 
and you can sing in key and you're not trying to get over the top of the music, which, you know, if, if, if you have to sing above the volume of the music, that limits you to your range quite a bit. And sometimes it pulls you off key. Now it's, it's not a problem at all. If you concentrate and uh, you can sing perfectly at any level, especially really delicately. It's great. I love it for like falsetto too. Was this something that the band had been having problems with or discovered that uh, would work better? Uh, well, uh, we tried them out. Bobby and Jerry, they tried them out first mm-hmm. and they loved them. And because uh, the sound's right up there in your head and you can actually hear everybody. Like when I, you know, depending on where you're on stage, it was difficult to uh, hear everybody all the time. And you could put them in your monitors, but then you have to put them in pretty loud and then you've got other priorities. And... Oh, Chuck, could you hold on? Sure. Uh, anyway, you were telling me about these these uh, the ear monitors, and what I'm wondering is, do you, so does that mean that you don't use any stage monitors at all? No speakers whatsoever. That's going to be great. It works good for the PA. Then you're not listening to the dust bolts that you are normally listening to, so you don't suffer ear death from these. Let me uh, get into the uh, the scheduled material here. <laughs> what I wanted to ask you um, is: Being in the Dead, uh, anything like you imagined it would be? Uh, I actually I never imagined being in the Dead. Uh-huh. I imagined being friends with them. It was kind of a vision I had when I first heard their album. I just felt like I was there. But actually, being in the Dead didn't occur to me until all of a sudden, you know, suddenly a sprint died. My uh, wife Lori inquired with Bobby's uh, secretary at the time, who used to be the tube secretary. As you know, I played with the tubes. Yes, I do know. And um, Mimi told my wife that they were looking, they were auditioning people. And I wanted to audition to see what's going on. I didn't know if there would be any chemistry there, but I wanted to see if maybe they wanted me to be in the band. And then uh, as soon as I met Jerry and Bob, I decided right away I really wanted to be in the band then. And I started checking out the music, which they sent me so I could learn some songs for the audition. And it was getting more more fabulous with the thought of it. They send you sheet music? No, they sent me tapes. Oh, tapes. Mostly live tapes, but they also sent CDs, which was a laugh because I didn't own a CD player. <laughs> I didn't tell them that. But I learned stuff off the tapes. And uh, then I, they auditioned a bunch of guys. I went in there and we played about eight songs. And then I sat around by the phone for about a week. <laughs> I wondered how I did. Actually, I didn't know if I was going to get it because some of the other people in there were pretty hot. In fact, when I started hearing the names, I got kind of pumped out. But, uh, no, they picked me. Do people know who uh, you competed against? Because I don't think I know who you Well, there were some of the guys, uh, T. Lavitz. Oh, really? Uh, Pete Sears. And a guy who, for some reason, I thought might get it because he was playing with my ex-drummer, well, with Curry from the Tubes. Right. Were, he had his own band and his own name. It was uh, Tim Gorman. He played with the Who, lots of people. You know, it's some heavy-duty competition. There. Yeah, but, you know, I had this dream when I was a kid of meeting up with these guys, and, uh, but, you know, you can never be cocky, like, say, well, I got the audition, and, and every day that went by seemed longer and longer, and then Bobby called me up and said, uh, is your insurance paid up? <laughs> and then I knew I'd landed the gig. Yeah. Uh, now, hey, what paper is this? The Indianapolis Star. Indianapolis Star? Yeah. Yeah, you'll be here uh, next Friday, I think it is. We're going to be in Indianapolis? Yeah. Oh, no, next Sunday and Monday. Yeah, a week from Sunday and a week from Monday. Where, Deer Creek? Yeah. And your name? Uh, Mark Allen. Mark Allen. Yeah, Dennis told you that this was going to happen, right? Yeah, I'm just oh. trying to get my facts straight. Huh? Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you probably go through. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, that's all right. I mean, I guess you probably go through enough of these where you won't, you know, you don't even know, you know, it's hard to keep track of all this stuff. So. Well, yeah, I, they don't give me too many. Yeah. They mostly want to talk to Jerry 
the other guys. I'm pretty new at this, you know, new in the band, so only got two years worth of experience. Yeah, but it's pretty interesting. I mean, you get a, a perspective that, uh, you know, the other guys don't have just because they've been in it all the time. I mean, they don't yeah. know what it's like. And you had talked about the first time that you heard him when you were a kid. How old a guy are you? I'm 41. You're 41, so you're... But when did their album come out? What, the first album? Yeah. I don't know, it's got to be... Yeah, something like that. Then I would have made me 14. But when you're a kid, you, who would... I mean, you probably wouldn't even think that uh, that bands would be around as long as a band like The Dead has been around. Right. But I was already starting to play in bands back then. Well, I was gigging... Well, I, I did my first gig when I was about 11 in church. I used to do my 7 o'clock Sunday gig. I was playing in bands when I was 14. And so I was into all the new stuff, particularly what was coming from San Francisco. Hey, did you grow up in the San Francisco area? Pardon me? Did you grow up in the San Francisco? No, I grew up in Phoenix. Oh, Phoenix. See where it was uh, a rock and roll desert. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, the country was a big thing. But, but uh, Phoenix was uh, pretty hip as far as picking up on uh, all the music from everywhere. Mm -hmm. So we did uh, catch, I had the great bit album. Compare being in the tubes with being in the dead. I would imagine it's an incredibly different experience. Well, yeah, big difference. <laughs> Compare it. <laughs> The tubes were like a traveling circus, a three-week circus that set up in a different town every night, which was kind of crazy into itself. We weren't as spontaneous, although uh, we had a great time in the tubes. You know, it was fun and doing uh, all of that stuff and playing every place we played was fabulous. But the tours were long and hard and uh, 200 or more a, a year. That even the most interesting music can get boring you know if we had a we had the one thing we did have in common was a big selection of songs to choose from it's just that when the tubes went out on a tour because we had a show we had to set up choreography and everything so uh, there wasn't many places where we could change songs once we got the tour together we could change all the songs once you know we did another tour and we would do that but we had hundreds of songs to pick from because the tubes were together 17 years and then like the grateful dead have they played 133 different ones last year so that's the one thing we have in common, and then everything else was different. Musically, it's it's very fulfilling playing with the Grateful Dead because uh, of the diversity and the fact that uh, there's more emphasis on the music. A lot of times I was dancing when I was instead of playing, you know, with the tubes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, we had some great songs. The tubes had great songs, and the Dead have great songs. But the Dead uh, uh, change up every night, and that makes it all ultimately more interesting. And it's... Uh, it's a little easier going from my 41-year-old bones to, to do close, you know, under 100 gigs instead of 200 and travel by bus and all of that kind of stuff. If he had not left the tubes and if, and if the things had not happened with the tubes, I'd still be in that band because I'd have been loyal to them to the bitter end. But what did happen? Well, Fee uh, left, right. and we went on for years without him and then uh, couldn't afford to do the show and, you know, bad breaks, setbacks, management, all the above, and then more people left the band and albums and a couple of tours. I played on Nearly Human and uh, Second Wind, his last two albums. The Tube show was, was a pretty amazing show to watch. Uh, I, I imagine, like you said, Three Ring Circus, that's sort of what it was like. I mean, yeah, people would have to come to the show. That's another thing we have in common with the band. So a lot of people would come uh, multiple times to the show. In the Grateful Dead version, it's, you know, it's just because it's so wonderful to be there. And also, you've you got to come many times to hear the songs. 
that you want to hear. But with the tubes, uh, they've come sometimes just to watch the dancers, sometimes just to listen to the music, sometimes to watch the uh, props go up and down and in and out, watch the crew try to be on stage and act and, and move the gear, how quick we could change a set in the dark out. So yeah, we have people coming uh, for multitudes of reasons. And a lot of people would come to want to be in the tubes and would have them wound up performing with us. Really? Oh yeah, uh, Jane Dornocker, Pearl, uh, Pearl Harbor. We even had Robin Williams try out for uh, our talent contest where we picked eight winners to appear with the band for a two week run at Bimbo's and uh, Robin Williams tried out and failed. <laughs> oh no, we became friends later. Yeah, he, he was unknown at the time, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. We had Jane Dornocker with us and restyles doing Don't Touch Me There and other stuff. And, uh, on a, yeah, on a motorcycle, driven yeah, on stage. That was, uh, Kenny, our choreographer, went on to be a movie director. He does all the dance movies. Michelle lined up with Todd Rungan, one of our dancers. They just had a baby named Reebok. A couple of them became actresses. Do you think the, the tubes would have been done, uh, would have done better uh, commercially if they hadn't been become known first for like White Punks on Dope and Don't Touch Me There? Well, that, the White Punks was the anthem of the FM radio, you know, like top 10 most requested for a long time. It, it almost makes you a, a, a novelty. Well, I mean, some people thought of it that way, but I think I prefer to think we were just ahead of our time. I mean, look what they're doing now. It's not a novelty. They take it seriously, but it's all, you know, a lot of the new stuff around is saying the same thing we were saying. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if the if bands do quite as uh, as involved and elaborate a show. As, uh, no, the show too. part is, that was at a time when uh, economics were a little bit more conducive to that. I don't think anybody could do that show like the Tubes on the level we did it in a small place with uh, you know so little overhead because it costs us money to do that show every time we put it on. And so what band's going to do that for 17 years? But it must be amazing to to work in a band like the Dead and know that everywhere you go the show is sold out, so there's no worry about selling tickets and. No oh yeah, about. it's that's really first first rate, first class. Yeah, it's great. The audience is so cool too. I love the audience. Did you find it tough, and do you still find it tough to work without a set list? Mm, not not so much now. I'm I'm getting a feel for it. Yeah, I like it. It's kind of interesting. Hold on, I bet that's my wife again. Sure. How long, how much more have we got? Uh, another 10 minutes, okay. Hold on. Um, did you happen to uh, read the interview that uh, Jerry gave the Rolling Stone last October? Yeah, I think I, yeah, I believe I did. He was on the cover. Right, yeah. Well, he talked about a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. Um, he had uh, talked about how he felt that uh, there had been some inertia in the band, that, uh, uh, you know, they didn't see the band moving forward or progressing at all. Did you see that as a, as a new member, or? I didn't see it because how could I uh, compare it yeah. at the time? I didn't know where it was coming from in the first place, so I couldn't tell if it... But now, in retrospect, uh, I I did take uh, time out of their evolution. You know, it took uh, some serious time out. They had to fall back, uh, uh, spend uh, what normally would have been their whole year's uh, budget on rehearsal and and working out new songs and writing and composing, they had to spend going into the past with Wellnick. You know, we we, uh, we tried to knock off about ten songs a day, and we made great progress and everything. But uh, and we got to review some songs, and and I think and in some cases uh, the songs, uh, especially the vocals, uh, after they had to uh, analyze them, you know, with me, got a little more. Uh, you know, polished a bit, but there were no new songs to learn, and, and there was no time to do them, and they 
well, that was the way it had to be. I mean, uh, you don't give a guy 140 songs and say, okay, you're on. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I learned them pretty quick. I, I worked on it at home. I, was, I spent more time at home working on it before uh, we rehearsed and, and we actually rehearsed. So I gave them a break here and there. And it was probably uh, the pits for those guys. But I don't think they were talking about having to teach you the songs. I think they were probably... Well, it's just uh, the transition. I, I ate up all their, their time for like a whole year, I figured. We yeah. had a whole year working a new keyboard player in, instead of what would have happened. And yeah, and all I can do to make up for that is uh, evolve quicker, give, bring something into the party myself, which I, I wrote a song with a couple of the guys in the band. And now I'm trying to make up for it. lost time. Yeah, uh, that was my next question, actually, was new material. I and mean, there, there's no new Dead album this time particularly, which I guess doesn't really matter when you're touring. But no, we have new songs, though, that will eventually be on an album, but yeah. when, I know not know. I, I doubt if it would be this year. Yeah. Uh, what are the, are you, is it likely we'll hear any of them? Are you playing them? Oh, or yeah, I'll some names. Okay. Karina. Spelled C-O-R-R-I-N-A? Uh-huh. Okay. And that's uh, Mickey Hart and Bobby sings it. And Bobby, I believe, co-wrote it, too. Oh, and The Hunter, right. And then uh, uh, Robert Hunter, you know. Right, yeah. And then uh, Phil did uh, Wave to the Wind. Wave to the Wind. With Robert. Jerry's got uh, So Many Roads, which I believe is with Hunter, too. And I've got uh, Way to Go Home, which was with Hunter and Bob Love. And there's a weird... I've got another demo... I'm working on uh, with Barlow and Bob Love, And there were other songs coming in, but uh, those were the only ones we got to, to nail down before uh, we took off. Then we also do a couple of new covers, but those are the originals, and they're more uh, close. I, I, uh, Phil has another one already done, but we just haven't learned it yet. And I think Jerry's got a few, and, and uh, Bobby's has. We're probably getting close to having albums worth, except that the band wants to learn them and take them on the road first and, and, and get acquainted with them before uh, they go down on the record. They don't like to write in the studio like the band used to do. <laughs> we'd have a deadline, we'd go in there, well, let's do that record. Then we'd learn, we'd learn, what we, we'd learn the songs off the record after we finished it and we'd figure out what the hell we did. <laughs> so, uh, well, I like the way it's moving now. and. Uh, Coming right along, and there's no hurry. Uh, you know, there's nobody that's gonna that's gonna light a fire up our butt and push us to do something before it's time. And it's, that's really the luxury I see of this band is the freedom to be able to uh, develop freely and uh, not be under any kind of pressure from anybody. Yeah, yeah, it's a real unique experience in the music. Yeah, that's the American way. I thought <laughs> I, always, I always dreamed it'd be like this. Uh, <laughs> Um, and then in this interview, he said, uh, he said, if you're looking for comfort, join a club or something. The Grateful Dead is not where you're going to find comfort. And he was, the question was about, uh, is it difficult for a newcomer to deal with uh, being in the dead? He said, in fact, if anything, you'll catch a lot of shit. And if you don't get it from the band, you'll get it from the roadies. And so is, has it been tough to fit in? No. <laughs> it was mighty comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he uh, realized where I was coming from. Like, uh, I don't have to share a room with anyone anymore. Yeah. I don't ride on a bus after the gig for 10 hours anymore. I don't play 200 shows a night, two shows a night sometimes. I mean, two, two shows a year and sometimes two, two shows a night for two weeks on end. Now, when the tubes were on top with 
she's a beauty in the top ten. It wasn't like that. But um, the last few years of my life before the Grateful Dead were tossed between the tubes and Todd Rundgren. And uh, it was, uh, you know, you got to deal with folks there, too. And uh, there was challenging things uh, working with Todd that uh, were really difficult, like doing a live album. And not only you're playing and singing, which usually you're just doing one or the other, uh, you're also following a conductor who was Todd and uh, playing in front of an audience, you know, that was a bitch, but uh, they're a very forgiving audience, and so is the band, you know, if I screw up, they're going to call me on it, and it won't happen again if, as long as I can help it, but uh, they're not going to label me a, an imbecile because of, uh, and that certainly the audience isn't going to hold anything against me, like if when I get up and walk away from the song because it's over and it's not, you know, in the beginning I did that. But I try to, you know, I try to work real hard at this. I don't want to screw up in front of those many people. So I, I hate making mistakes. But no, these guys have made me totally comfortable. The crew and everybody, it's just fabulous. They couldn't be, they couldn't have stayed together this long. They didn't have a, just a wonderful relationship with everybody. Yeah, I wondered if he was being sarcastic, and maybe he was being sarcastic. I thought he, I thought he uh, was, uh, he sounded like he was on a bit of a bum bum with that interview, but they weren't hard on me at all. They were very gentle. Most generous and compassionate, and I feel fabulous. I feel like I'm in a big old wonderful family. You mentioned 100 and doing 133 songs last year, a typical year for the twos. What would you do about 20, 25? No, we do around. Uh, we do more than that in the night. Oh, okay. You know, in a gig. No, we go. Uh, we talk around maybe 60. But we had uh, we had 200 or more songs in our repertoire. Mm -hmm. But it would. Uh, well, we usually change, well, maybe 80. We would change almost all the songs for every tour, and we do about four a year, so. But not nearly as uh, many as Grateful Dead. That's still a lot of songs, though. Um, like, when you did the Todd tours, I can't imagine that you had to learn nearly that many, did you? Oh, no, no. We would only, we play the same exact thing, uh, like, you know, 20 or 20 songs, uh, the same ones for the whole tour. That was easy. But also, the tubes was easy, too, because that was 17 years in the making, acquiring that, that set list. There were some really complicated songs, but uh, we worked on it diligently, and after a year or so, you know, they became second nature to you. So to do that many uh, in that short of time with the Grateful Dead, that's the most I've, that's the biggest mouthful I have ever taken. Uh, is uh, Bruce Hornsby with you this time around? No, he handed the baton off to me on the uh, spring tour. He felt things were going well, and he was going to have his life. And, but he is coming out. I think he's coming out tomorrow and going to sit in. Okay. And he's always welcome anytime. Yeah, we we miss him, and uh, and we love to play with him. Yeah, and of course you you must be comfortable with like dual keyboards because uh, all the bands you've played with have more than one. Keyboard. Yeah, Tosh band had two. Uh, the Tubes had two. Right. So yeah, I, I can I can hang with that, and uh, the likes of Bruce on piano is. What can you say? I mean, that's the most fabulous guy I could think of to have on piano playing with me. Yeah, but but uh, he's happy and, and we're happy and and uh, he's coming out tomorrow. Yeah. It sounds like uh, you couldn't be uh, in a much better position. I mean, it seems like you got your dream job right now. It's a pretty wonderful thing. Yeah. It's this kind of a vision I had when I was a kid, when I was about 11. Yeah. I saw a sea of people with their arms stretched out. And now I'm looking at it every night. <laughs> anyway, is there anything else you want me to tell people about uh, you, the tour, the dead? Anything you think would be interesting. No. You've, you've seen a 
cover it pretty well. Yeah, okay. Um, and uh, I should ask you this, and it's, it's just kind of meant as a goofy question, but uh, uh, was there anything, I'm sure you heard uh, your share of Spinal Tap jokes about dead keyboard players. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> no fear of that, huh? No, what a way to go. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll give it, I'll try to see that it doesn't happen. Good. For a while, at least. <laughs> Well, I appreciate your time, Vince. We'll see you uh, next uh, Sunday. Okay, Mark. Thanks a lot. Okay, come looking for you backstage. Okay. okay. We'll do. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tapes Archive podcast. Please remember, you can always find more information about the show and the individual episodes at our website, thetapesarchive.com. Until next time, the vault is closed.